Hello everyone, I'm Elon Hollingsworth and welcome back to Against the Current, A The Chosen Podcast, where today I am joined by my dad, Mark Hollingsworth. Say hi, dad. Hello everyone. (laughs) Yes, so um, this is my dad and I decided to have him on the podcast because he is, or he was, a pastor. He still, you still teach or preach sometimes, Uh, but he was a... Uh, were you full-time pastor? Yes, I was a full-time pastor of two different churches for about 10 years total. Um, I also taught Bible at Jupiter Christian School for five years. Okay. Is that all you want to say? Um, Well, besides the fact that I'm just very honored to be on the Against the Current podcast. I can't believe (laughs) it. It's like a dream come true. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty great. Um, yeah, so uh, please, yeah, I hope you guys are excited because I I think I am. I, I don't know for sure, but um, <laughs> we'll see we'll see how it goes. So um, first of all, I just want to say before we get into uh, the interview of sorts, even though I already know all the answers to these questions probably. Um, uh, first of all, in the chosen community news. Coming up, season three of The Chosen is obviously coming up soon, in summer sometime. Um, and the next step in the process, which is casting, has just begun. A few days ago, casting has started for The Chosen season three. And uh, it may not seem the most important, which I, I'm sure for some of you it does. But uh, this is what this means is that once they finish casting, obviously, then they'll start filming. And we already know when they're going to start filming, but... Nonetheless, it is nice to see progress being made towards The Chosen Season 3 actually coming out because I know that that's what we're all excited for and we're all waiting to see um, as Chosen fans, which I'm sure that most of you who listen to this podcast are probably Chosen fans. If you're not fans of The Chosen TV series, then I'll be honest, it's kind of weird and you definitely wouldn't understand what is happening at all. But um, yeah, so... Latest news, The Chosen Season 3 is coming and casting has started. Uh, so, anyway, um, Dad, uh, what do you do for a living at this moment? What, just tell everyone what you do to keep the lights on. Well, <clears throat> about three and a half years ago, uh, we started, or I started, an e-commerce business. So, my wife and I are very much involved. We have one other person who helps us on a regular basis. But we mostly sell things online, mostly on Amazon, but a couple of other platforms also. And um, that's how we, as you say, son, keep the lights on. (laughs) Okay. Um, So uh, also, how how did you get into the uh, ministry department realm uh, industry? because, like you said, you were a full-time pastor before you started your e-commerce business. Yeah. Well, I was always, not always, but in my late teens, I guess, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, my mother is a Christian. My father is not. But we um, grew up going to church, me and my sisters. And I enjoyed going to church, but in my late teens and early 20s, I became very much more interested in the Bible and just learning it for myself, really. <clears throat> and then I found I also enjoyed teaching others what I had learned. So I thought it would be great if I could do for my full-time job teaching the Bible. 
so at different times over the years, I've been a youth pastor, uh, associate pastor at a church, um, a couple different churches. I was the the pastor, <laughs> and um, uh, off and on for about ten years total, I had taught Bible in Christian schools to middle school and high school students. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's crazy because I I grew up in a Christian household as well. Um, it's pretty cool. You mean you're growing up in a Christian household? <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so what what was so you, before you were in your early teens? What was it like growing up in like do do you have? I mean, I know I know the answer again, but uh, do you have like any siblings or or uh, what was what was growing up like in your home? Oh yes, it was a very happy home. Um, I had two younger sisters. And we <clears throat> we were very heavily involved in going to church. <clears throat> Excuse me. My mother um, taught us Christian values and made sure that um, we were at church any time that we wanted to go. And we had a great time. Um, I I really regret that my my oldest. My, okay, so I'm the oldest, and I have two younger sisters. Uh-huh. But the older of the two sisters is only four years younger than me. And I really didn't like her from the time that she was born until the time she was about 16 years old <laughs> because of my own selfishness and um, sinful heart. It was my own fault. I really regret that. But uh, uh, because when I was, you know, I was the firstborn and it was just me and my parents and we had a great time. There was just the three of us. And then in my mind, she came along and she started getting more attention than I did, and I didn't like that. And I guess I held it against her for a long time. So I'm very sorry. We have a good relationship now, but that's the way it was um, growing up. I mean, I don't know what else you want to know. I was I always like being involved in sports, and so I played baseball and basketball, and I got interested in golf when I got to be a teenager. And I found out that that's golf is a, a more of a lifetime sport, so I could play that longer. So now in my fifties, I don't play much baseball or basketball anymore. But um, when the time when time allows, I do enjoy a round of golf here and there. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. And golf, the um, world's most boring sport. Yes, some people have that opinion. <laughs> Uh, and my philosophy is boring to play, even more boring to watch. But uh, I guess some people would enjoy that type of thing. <laughs> um, uh, so you also said, what are, what are your like credits? Do you have any credits to your name? Like, uh, I don't know, do do pastors get degrees? Well, th- I'm sure you do, actually. So you went to college. Oh, I heard, yeah. You did go to college. Uh, so what college did you go to? What um, credits do you have to your name? What well, I went to Liberty University. I graduated there in 1991. Had a bachelor's degree in uh, biblical studies, and then over the years, I acquired two master's degrees: one from Luther Rice Seminary, a Master of Divinity, that's really geared towards pastors um, of churches, and uh, another master's degree I got was from Southern Seminary. I studied Baptist history there. And then I also have another degree. It's called a Doctor of Ministry degree from Luther Rice Seminary. And that concentration was in expository preaching. Hmm. So those are um, all the credits that I have to my name. And I also wrote a book. Uh, about four or five years ago, I wrote a book. It's a, uh, it's a novel, 
um, Christian fiction. It's called Sovereign, One Man's Journey. And it didn't sell very many books, but it was published, and it's on Amazon. And uh, so that's kind of a credit to my name. But all that, all those degrees and that book that I published, and $5 will get me a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And that's about it. <laughs> have, you, have you been thinking of that one for a while, or did you just think of that I one? I just thought of that one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, and so... What, what has kind of been your thoughts before The Chosen, before, I don't know, whenever it came out, 2017? Uh, what were your, what were your, kind of your outlook on Christian media and like ten, television in the film industry, like when, when Passion came out? Well, yeah, going back even further than that, I remember watching <clears throat> what's kind of considered the pioneer Christian movie, at least about the life of Christ, way back in the... Oh, I don't even know. Maybe the '60s. Uh, it was called "The Greatest Story Ever Told." Was that it, the Was that the uh, the animated Easter one? No, it was a real regular feature film. Oh. Um, it's, Jesus was played by Max Van Sydow, and John Wayne had a bit part in it. Um, Telly Savalas, I forget the. Uh, I think Telly Savalas was pilot actually. He um, so all these guys were famous actors. They went on to do other things in their careers. Oh, nice! And I really was captivated by that. You know, I, I enjoyed watching that when I was a kid several times. But that was really the only, at least that I knew of, Christian film, especially about the life of Christ. And then as I got to be um, an adult and was paying more attention to that kind of stuff, then I guess it was like two thousand two or three when Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ came out. So I was very interested to see that, and I thought that was kind of well done. Um, over the years, there's been other films and like miniseries and things. Um, and my general impression of those is, you know, they make a good attempt to stay true to the Bible as far as it goes. But I always was I noticed that the um, the acting was just most of the time was not very good. And also, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very believable, like the the actors. Um, I never really felt like the more I learned about, you know, the the Bible itself and the the climate and the culture of first century Israel, it just didn't match up to what movies made in the United States were portraying Jesus as blonde hair and blue eyes. And some, for some reason, they always throw in a British accent. I never could figure that out either. But, yeah. um, yeah. but they, that's, that seemed to be my impression of it. But I always was interested in watching them because, um, you know, the Bible is, is just a written, I don't want to say just a written book, but that, that's what it is. It's limited to words on a page. I know that the, the events are true, and it describes actual events that took place in history. But we don't have uh, news reports or moving pictures, yeah. which I guess, you know, the Lord really didn't want us to. And as long as we realize that any films or attempts at moving pictures to portray what the Bible, uh, what happened in the events of the Bible, as long as we realize that they may or may not be very accurate, then I've always enjoyed trying to use my imagination to wonder what must it have like been like to be there and to be in the middle of those events? Or what would it have been like to have been one of those um, first 12 disciples or one of the people just in the town of perhaps Bethany or Capernaum when Jesus 
was in the um, height of his public ministry for those three years. And to that degree, I I appreciate what people like Mel Gibson and now Dallas Jenkins have tried to do for us. Uh, I think there's some value to it. Yeah, Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, I remember you uh, telling me something about that. Uh, Did you know they're making A Passion of the Christ 2? I had not heard that. It's called The Passion of the Christ Resurrection, apparently. Uh, I was wondering because, you know... They already told the story once, and then, so what's the second part going to be? So, it's the resurrection, huh? I guess, I guess that would, because, do you remember how the Passion, I, I never saw the Passion, so do you remember how it ended? Um, I really don't. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, by the name Resurrection, I guess it would be after the resurrection, maybe? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I've heard, because I had heard about it before, like, I had just seen little headlines and stuff about the act, who's the actor who played Jesus in that again? Um... Who's he? Uh, Jim Cav... Cav- yes, I can never pronounce his last name. Jim Cav- Caviezel. Jim, yeah, Jim. Just Jim, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, because he, he was claiming that it was going to be the biggest movie of all time. That's what he was claiming, mm-hmm. at least recently. Uh, apparently, it's going to come out in 2023. Sometime. You mean Jim is claiming that, or Mel? Jim is claiming that. Okay, he plays Jesus again. I guess I don't know. I I'd have to look more into it. I haven't really looked too much into it, but I just remember hearing about it and being like, "Huh, interesting." Hmm. Uh, so apparently, it's going to be the biggest movie of all time. But uh, we'll have to see about that. Yeah. The chosen, uh, the chosen resurrection might be bigger than that. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to make a chosen resurrection movie, but um, so then you had been fine with christian media then right so is do you think the chosen is different i I, I don't say i've been fine with it i mean the one thing uh, one thing that stands out to me that i wasn't all that fine with was uh the bible miniseries (laughs) so you didn't like that well i mean i enjoyed it for you know like i said before just um the part about where it helps me to use my imagination and wonder what might it have been like you know, to be actually um, in the middle of those Bible stories or to live in that time when Jesus lived. But the way that, that they portrayed Jesus in that miniseries, I thought was um, sorely lacking and unbiblical and not accurate to Jesus being God in the flesh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's just probably my subjective opinion, but they just... Uh, in my opinion, they, he was portrayed as kind of a maybe effeminate and um, just not powerful, <laughs> you know, not not the all-powerful God himself. I, I, I contrast that, um, Jesus in the Bible series, with Mel Gibson's Christ in The Passion. And, you know, that was 20 years ago, so I don't remember a whole lot about watching the passion of the christ but one thing i do remember is especially a specific scene where jesus was on the road um well he he was on the road to calvary carrying his cross and then you know crumbling under the weight of it and i think it was at that point where his mother came up to him and was just distraught and jesus i forget the words that he said to her but something along the lines of don't worry i'm in control of this whole thing and the way that I think he was portrayed in that movie was just that. He, he was in control of that whole thing. And as you read the Bible from beginning to end, that's what the death of Christ truly was. It was 
part of God's plan. I mean, it was was the central part of God's plan for the world and for history, the death of Christ, because that's the monumental event in human history that everyone must look to and believe what it accomplished. And it wasn't that God the Father looked at his world that had gone terribly astray and people had gone just so surprisingly and shockingly against him. And he said, what are we going to do? We got to do something. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're going to have to send you, <laughs> Jesus, down and you're going to have to die for the people's sins. I don't see any other way. They're just not responding the way that I want them to. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that at all. It wasn't like his plan B. It was before the foundation of the world. He had determined that this was going to be his plan to rescue humanity or anybody who would believe because of the awful judgment that was due their sins. And so uh, even through those events where he was mistreated and, and uh, unjust, in, unjustly put on trial and convicted and rushed to the court of judgment and execution, he, Jesus Christ himself, was in control of it the whole time. It was his number one plan I think as Hebrews 12 tells us, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father because his work is accomplished. So, I mean, just as an example, contrasting those two works, Mel Gibson versus Roma Downey, Mel Gibson wins, in my opinion. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. So... Yeah, because I just remember uh, in the Bible, specifically one scene where right before Jesus is carried off to be like executed and crucified and stuff, like he's talking with Peter and he just, he's like hugging Peter and all of a sudden, it, the, the show makes it seem like all of a sudden Jesus realizes what is going to happen next and like the stuff that's going to happen to the disciples and him and stuff. Like he's hmm. he's hugging Peter and saying, and then he's just like, oh, and, yeah. and he flashes forward, and it's like he all of a sudden in that moment was able to see what was going to happen. Mm. It wasn't like he knew the whole time, which is what it was supposed to be. But yeah. he's just he was hugging Peter, and he's like, oh, and then he all of a sudden realized what was coming, and then mm-hmm. like it was just, <laughs> or it was it, he saw that Peter was going to deny him three times. Yeah, and so he all of a sudden realized, oh, Peter's going to deny me, mm-hmm. and he talks exactly in that voice every time he speaks throughout the entire show. Mm. And I don't know, cause I thought, cause I thought, cause you had us watch it like every year around Easter time, at least. So, like, cause I, cause every time we watch it, I just remember liking it less and less. Like at first, I was like, oh, okay, this is good, but I just sort of accepted that that's the quality level that Christian media was at. So I was like, oh, okay, and then yeah, I think that's what I was thinking too. We didn't have. No, no, that's about all we had. Oh, yeah, I got it. Okay, yeah, because I was just like... But, you know, we watch it, and then we consider, well, what does the Bible say? Uh, yeah. Is this really... Does this really match up? I mean, then that's also the, um, the danger or the caution. If somebody who's a genuine um, Christian wants to say, well, I'm just not going to watch The Passion, I'm not going to watch the Bible series, I'm not going to watch The Chosen, because um, that's not the Bible... And that, that, you know, that would be that person's individual choice, but it'd be hard to argue with them because, no, it's not the Bible. And some of the events might be very accurate to what the Bible says. Some of them might be kind of, you know, gaps that are filled in about things that we don't know that happened but could have happened, you know, a certain way. And the danger or caution would be, you know, um, 
we're not told that the chosen is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Yeah. We're told that the Bible, <laughs> the Word of God, is that powerful tool. And so we should never get those two confused, even though, you know, the chosen can be a helpful thing to help us appreciate the things that are described in the Bible. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, I mean, and then especially after we saw the chosen, like we started watching through that, then I never really, like, after that, it was, a, it was like, that was the nail in the coffin for me. I was like, I do not want to watch the Bible, like, again. Yeah. Really. I mean, I'd be fine to watch it again to kind of look back on it and say, you know, oh, this is what this was. and this is, But, like, as a recurring family thing, I, that was the point where I was just like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, The Chosen is very well done as far as, you know, the um, production value and the... Uh, uh, the acting quality, all all those things are very well done. So it is much more um, pleasant to watch, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so how do how did we hear about the chosen? I don't remember exactly how. So, I don't either. Some uh, uh, <laughs> someone we knew mentioned. Did you say it started in 2017? The chosen started in 2017. Yes. Was that just the one special Christmas episode? Um, I think trying to think so the chosen yeah that's the christmas special was in 2017 okay so maybe the i think maybe the show started in 2018 um well i don't know it was it had been out for a while maybe the whole first season had been out i don't know because i remember uh we caught the latter half i think we caught the latter half of the live streams that's what i'm pretty i pretty much remember watching the latter half of the live streams like like the end of season one I thought we watched them, like, as soon as they came out, didn't we, right? On season one? On season one, yeah, because I remember, like, or maybe it wasn't, yeah. Oh, it was, uh, it was, I've Called You By Name came, oh, it came out in 2019, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. The yeah. Shepherd came out in 2017, and then the first episode came out in 2019. Well, I don't think we started watching it until 2020, was it? yeah. You're probably right about that. So maybe the whole first season was out before we heard about it or, you know, we're interested enough to sit down and watch it. Or maybe it was because of, you know, COVID. We didn't have anything else to do. Yeah, like, that's what I thought. Yeah. I think so that's... we heard about it from either a friend or maybe um, your uncle, um, your mom's brother. Yeah. Somebody mentioned it to us and we just got curious. Yeah. And then because I remember when when we first watched it, I was... I kind of had the same mad, the mindset of the Bible, just like, oh, this is going to be another, like what Dallas always said in the beginning, like, oh, Christian media, like, um, just kind of had a reputation of not being uh, very high quality. Yeah. And just thinking they're, like, they, thinking that because, oh, it's Christian, it's supposed to be, and the Bible says we're supposed to be set apart from the rest of the world, but, like, just thinking that they're outside of the laws of film that have been established that, that, like, character development and story development and character arcs that kind of thing the stuff that makes you invested in the character and mm. invested in a story in a movie just thinking that oh we have to, we can disregard those because we're christian so it it just that's what i think is the cause of a lot of christian shows just just being a lot more low quality because even just recently we watched uh what was it invincible was the name of it the no not invincible that's not the name uh the the one with the girl who ran uh, cross country. Yeah. Was I it? Oh, that. Overcomer. Overcomer. Okay. Uh, 
and it definitely wasn't <clears throat> up to par with the, the, the same quality. At mm-hmm. least not in my opinion. Did you think it was? No, I didn't. And most of the time those movies are you know, on a shoestring budget. And so they don't have <laughs> the high quality tech or the special effects or whatever it's going to take to be a quality production. And I, I guess, I don't know, I don't know much about the film industry, but, but I would think that for any kind of new Christian release that comes out, whether it's a movie or miniseries or something streaming, if there is any kind of publicity or advertisement for it, then that's going to, I mean, most Christians are just going to just watch it just because, because it's a Christian thing. Yeah. <laughs> so the audience, but if the, the, um, the quality of the acting and the production is low, then that's probably all that that, um, that project is going to attract is just people who already claim to be Christians. Yeah. But with something like The Chosen, if there's some marketing and you can see from the trailer that, you know, the the film is not grainy or the acting is not terrible, then that might be something that has a more likely chance of drawing in people who are not Christians to see what this is all about because, you know, they appreciate the quality of it. Then, if that's the case, then that um, Christian production has a real chance to present the gospel to people in sometimes even creative ways through drama and through acting and through the whole feature. So <clears throat> the most important thing to me is for a Christian production, whether it's low budget or a little bit better quality, is to make the gospel very clear to anybody who's watching because you just never know. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think, in my opinion, I, 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 don't, I don't think that a show should have to have a... A decent, but like, and for a story to connect with someone, all you need is a creative mind and a film crew and a camera and like, I don't know, a few prop designers or something. But like, you can make a compelling, especially like Overcomer, which is set in the real world and like modern day, like, you don't need millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars, you could say, to make a, a, decent or a story that connects with an audience like i any story if it's worth telling i i think would penetrate to anyone anywhere just because the story is compelling it has compelling characters um and then like again like christians just kind of christian projects feel like they should disregard that for whatever reason but the overcomer was shot in anamorphic lenses which the chosen has not done but doesn't mean it's necessarily. I, I've told you about anamorphic lenses, right? Um, yeah, but I don't remember what you said. <laughs> and explain the the science of them. But uh, anamorphic is more of a, a preference. You could say anamorphic is more of a pain to uh, like produce. Um, but it, I, in my opinion, I think it it makes the the whole thing look a lot better. At least because a lot more. Cause see here, here's here's the difference. There's that, and you guys can't see this, but there's there's that compared to that. In, in anamorphic, the background is stretched out when it's out of focus, mm-hmm. and spherical, it's all you know just blurs. Mm-hmm. When anamorphic, it stretches upwards, and you have to de-squeeze it. And I've already explained this on the podcast, so you guys already know what I'm talking about. But um, Overcomer was shot in anamorphic lenses, so. 
Well, that's one thing, but you're right. More, much more important than what kind of lens is used is does the character do the characters connect with the audience? I mean, do, does the um, production itself, like what's going on in the story, cause people to get lost in the story? So, do, is there an emotional connection? Is is there some kind of you know character that um, is very you know people just relate to right away or is likable? And bad acting just distracts from that. You know, the story might be the greatest written story ever, but <laughs> if the acting is terrible, then that's all people notice, you know. Uh-huh. So if there's something that draws somebody and gets them lost in the story, then, yeah, sure, that can overcome a lot, uh, any kind of production, you know, imperfections. Yeah, because, I mean, The Chosen didn't start out as the most high-quality production ever. Um, in the beginning, it, it had a bit more grain to it, which I, I personally miss. In the chosen, that quality, that extra, it had a little bit more of a gritty, down to earth quality in the first season. The colors were more warm and muted, and the the it was it had a bit more grain and and grit to it, which I think was lost a little bit in season two. But um, uh, so yeah, what you, the acting is and and the characters of the chosen, what they what they just the route that they decided to take, which I call the Jenkins approach, was. Like kind of not making Jesus the main character of the story, which is, had been done to death, and all the other adaptations of the life of Christ, and focus on the people around him, his disciples, and mm-hmm. get us into their minds and into their heads and understand them as characters. And then Jesus is kind of a main character, but then again, he's not the main focus of the show. So I think that was a very smart approach, and the writing is very well done, and the acting is very well done as well. All the actors are amazing, and they all do such an incredible job, and the acting is, I think, a big credit to that as well, mm-hmm. which I think is more from Tyler Thompson and Ryan Swanson than it is. I, I feel like I'm always bashing Dallas on the podcast, but that's more just because, I don't know, he's the type of guy that likes to push people around a little bit, so pushing back is something that those type of people like, because I know because I'm one of those, but um, I think that Ryan and Tyler are very much like huge... like. Dallas is always on screen, right? Like he's he's always he's on the live streams, he's always talking. Um, but I think that Ryan and Tyler both deserve a lot of credit as well because they both do an incredible job with the writing, I think. Yeah. There's just kind of this like upper class eloquence to the quality of the writing itself, the way the characters talk. And something to always remember is that you're writing for people, not characters. Like these are we believe that these are real people that really existed in these scenarios so even though they did take a lot of creative liberty and adding in these story points that probably didn't happen uh but are plausible and all these story beats and and situations and um scenarios like they're still real people that react in a realistic way to these scenarios and i think that's why people relate to the chosen so much because like and they give them each and I've talked about this before on the podcast they they give the disciples each a distinctive character and personality and you can relate to them each in a different way and in the problem with the bible tv show was I always say this the disciples were just one character collectively the disciples like you could sure peter you could single out or thomas because he had the most gigantic mustache in the world um you could single out maybe if one or two characters but as a whole, they were just kind of the disciples. They didn't have distinct personalities. You didn't relate to them in any way. They were just kind of there just mm. to be there because they were in the Bible. Yeah, um, that's a good observation. 
And Jesus wasn't relatable in any way whatsoever either. Like he was just, like you said, he was a little bit like girly. And uh, Jesus, for some reason, how, is, how did the idea come about that Jesus had long hair? Like, it seems like he's always had long hair. That's what people, well, that's just a lot of people had long hair back then, right? I think so, yeah. Because they didn't have like barbershops that they could just go and get their hair cut. So their hair, everything, everyone's hair was a lot longer. Than yeah, I think something like that. But like... He had long hair, and then in the Bible, he he was just kind of girl. The way it moved and like, you mean the Bible series? Yeah, the Bible series. Yeah, uh, and like his hair was it was like fluffy, and it was I don't know. It was just the way he was was just girly. Which no offense to Diogo, I forget his last name. Um, he did a fine enough job, I guess, but not really actually. You know um, what the Bible says about Jesus is that he was unattractive in appearance. Really? Yeah. So when, if we had a, um, a picture of Jesus and the disciples from the first century, he would probably be, you know, not the most good-looking one of the bunch. He might be the least-looking, good-looking one of the bunch that we could observe in a picture. Um, do you think that he was ugly, or do you think that he was just not handsome? I don't. I don't want to say the word ugly, because... I don't know, but unattractive, definitely. Um, <clears throat> it says in uh, Isaiah 53, verse 2, He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. So that seems to be referring to his physical appearance, that he was unattractive. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I, uh, huh, that's interesting. Hmm. Um, so... Uh, do you think Jonathan makes a good Jesus then? Oh yes, I think he makes a very good Jesus. Oh okay. Um, I'm not. I mean, I can't. I, I'm not going to comment on whether I think he's good looking or not. I, so <laughs> don't try to get me to do that. <laughs> but I mean, as far as the way he treats people, the way that um, you know he's believable and just, just you know, the thing. The thing is, Jesus was a human he was a man he was a regular person like you and me so jonathan rumi brings that side of jesus out very well just a normal person relatable has friends people like him um but then he also you know it's hard to imagine what the god man what would have been like to be around or to talk to or to listen to when he spoke to you but um, I, I do think he, Jonathan Rumi embodies the character qualities of Jesus, which, you know, we find in uh, the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all the rest. Goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Um, and yes, so those things are very evident in his character, and um, I just think that's very positive. Yeah, uh, I think Jonathan, um, I don't know, he... I think that, and I think that most of the the Jesus approach in the show can be attributed to Dallas, uh, because you can see in his earlier vignettes that he did for his church, uh, early on before he did the Chosen or before he even did um, Resurrection of Gavin Stone, which was his movie that flopped, by the way, that mm. led to the creation of the Chosen. Um, in his little vignettes that he did, John, where Jonathan was Jesus, or maybe it was after Resurrection. No, it was before. Um, so. In that, in those little short films that he did with Jonathan as Jesus, um, he he definitely was the same kind of way that was that he is in the Chosen. Mm. 
Um, so I think that that most of the Jesus approach in the Chosen can be attributed to Dallas, because like even in the uh, in one clip he showed uh, Simon and I think James maybe having an arm wrestle, and then like Simon won, and then Jesus goes, "Oh, even I didn't see that coming." Mm, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think when. I mean, if you're going to make a production with Jesus in it, somehow depicting his life and times, then he's not going to be... I mean, his majesty as God the flesh is not going to be showing through in his character um, in his time on earth. Because the Bible tells us that his, his glory was concealed during his time on earth. I think it's Philippians chapter 2 says tells us to have this attitude in ourselves which was also in Christ Jesus who although he existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself i think that means emptied himself of his privileges as god his glory his all consuming fire character qualities <laughs> that he would have as god and it says taking the form of a bondservant you know, just a lowly human being made in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So just interacting with Jesus um, as he walked on this earth, I don't know that you'd get the idea that, wow, this is, there's something special about him, you know, just in normal day-to-day life until he spoke and he taught. And that's when people said, nobody's ever taught like this man. And then, of course, when he would do miracles, like heal somebody of a um, paralysis for 38 years or raise somebody from the dead. Oh, of course, nobody, no human's ever done that before. But I mean, just as normal everyday interactions, he, that's what he did. He chose to lay aside his privileges as God for that time, except in special circumstances, and so I think he just probably looked and talked and acted just like everybody else. And I think that's a good depiction that they did in the, what was it? Oh, yeah, The Chosen, that uh, Dallas' approach. So in in that vein, would you say that uh, Jesus is your favorite character in the show? Or do you have another favorite character? Um, well, how can I not say that Jesus is my favorite character? Yeah, uh, I don't of know, course. People- People say yeah. people have other favorite characters. Like everyone loves Matthew. Okay, I'm gonna have to say Jesus is my favorite character. I guess I don't know why. I guess it seems like that you have to say that. But um, <laughs> then I guess my second favorite character would be Simon. Yeah, I really like Simon too. Yeah, I like him. He he's very self confident, probably overly so. But that's probably the way Simon was in the Bible. So um, so it's very um, likable, very relatable because. He's not perfect. I mean, none of them are, but maybe his flaws, like his temper and whatever, show more than the others. That's why a lot of people don't like Superman. Like, a lot of people kind of shy away from Superman because he has no flaws. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's, I was talking, like, most of the people that I've talked to, they're just like, oh, yeah, I don't really like Superman as much because he was born with the cape. He was born with, to be this incredible, super powerful being, and nobody really relates to Superman as much because he <laughs> doesn't have any problems and he doesn't have any flaws. Or he's, mm-hmm. Like, his only weakness is kryptonite. Um, so, and the uh, uh, Spider-Man, like, a lot of people love Spider-Man, one of the most popular, if not the most popular superhero of all time. People love Spider-Man. Why? Because he is, he's, because the difference between Marvel and DC is DC has all these, like, gods. They're gods among us. That's the idea of their 
characters mm-hmm. is that they're like these supernatural beings living on planet earth and and with marvel the approach is usually to be these everyman heroes that are just like normal people like us um and spider-man is the perfect example of that like he has to balance spider-man and his normal life and relationships and school and uh a lot of times he fails at that and he always and he gets discouraged like a, the thing is the parker luck he always that's what he calls it is when he's always he always has bad luck he always thinks that he's uh, like he always thinks that he's not doing things right and usually he's failing a lot of the time and then there'll be some glimmer of hope usually in a spider-man story and so i think that that's the same here in the chosen the reason everyone likes these characters so much except for jesus uh, is because i mean people like jesus too but like because these characters have flaws each of them has something mm. wrong with them yeah uh like simon it's his his overconfidence and his temper and andrew it's his uh, temper sometimes i guess um matthew you know he's autistic or james and john they're they're very stubborn and uh like and they all make mistakes and they all every one of them in the show they they do something wrong and they have to learn from it and and jesus corrects them and and seeing these characters fail helps us actually helps us relate to them because we all fail in our everyday lives and so seeing a character on screen that makes the same mistakes that you do obviously makes you want to connect with them yeah well and um someone like matthew he he didn't he's portrayed as not even knowing very much about the bible at all yeah and nobody you know you couldn't blame any of those other chosen people if they didn't like him or because he betrayed his um his own people his own family and went to work for the romans so um and but all the bible is like that isn't it because even the Old Testament heroes, they're presented with all of their, the great things they accomplished, yes, but uh, all their flaws, too, and their big mistakes that they made, some of them very big. And the message we get from the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, is one of the messages, is that, you know, there are no perfect people for God to choose because everybody's a sinner. Yeah. So he has to choose people who are flawed. And that's good news for us because we're flawed, too. And even though Peter has a bad temper, and James and John think a little too highly of themselves, uh, Matthew, you know, has his hang-ups and whatever, <laughs> G- Jesus still chose them. He chose them. That's I hope that's what the title means, is the chosen. It's not like they decided, oh, this seems like a fun thing to do is leave my profession and follow Jesus for however long he wants me to. It's No, he chose them. And, with all, and we realize that they have flaws and mistakes and serious hang-ups, and then we think, well, so do we. Mm-hmm. And he chooses us too. If we truly believe in him and his perfect life, his substitutionary death, his victorious resurrection, and he is the one that we're trusting in, then we can be sure that with all of our mistakes and sins and flaws, he chose us. And we just ought to be eternally grateful for that truth. Yeah, that would be a great note to end on, but I still have to, uh, I want to ask you a few more questions. Oh, sure. So you should save that till the end, but... Oh, okay. Well, I can repeat it. <laughs> um, uh, so so out of season one and two, which one did you say that you like more? Season one or season two? Hmm. Uh, I think season two, because... I, I mean, because it's more fresh in my mind, so I remember it better, and then... You know, like the way it ended with that cliffhanger where Judas introduces himself to one of the inner circle there at the end. And that's how it ends. I mean, so now it's just like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens in season three. Yeah, this is probably going to be the longest wait we have for a season. 
Because they're building the new set, um, yeah. new Capernaum thing. Hmm. Uh, also, do you have a favorite episode out of the entire show? Out of all 16 episodes so far, which one would you say? Is well, I don't remember the number, but it was when um, Jesus was invited into the synagogue. In, I think it was in Samaria. when he. I think there was a couple of episodes that um, oh, season, took place in Samaria. Season 2, episode 1. Okay. And um, at the end of that episode, it was... <clears throat> I, wasn't the same episode where where James and John were arguing over who Jesus thought was the greatest, and uh-huh. yeah. um, then he reprimanded them for that, and then Jesus brought John into the synagogue to help him to choose which scripture portion he was going to read mm-hmm. that day, and they chose Genesis one one, and the way that the final scene tied that into. John and his gospel, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John's gospel begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So um, that that was very powerful and made such an impression on me that uh, I think I'd have to say that's my favorite. Yeah, it's a really great episode. I really like that one, yeah. too. That's probably one of the best of the entire series. I always say, in my heart, my, my three favorites are episodes 5, 6, and 7 of season 1. Well, I like the one where Jesus interacted with Nicodemus, too. Oh, yeah, that's a great episode. Yeah. Just because, again, Eric Avari was just a great guy, a great actor. Like, he's just, he was fantastic. And then, mm-hmm. uh, again, I hope they finish the show before and get Nicodemus back in there before Eric Avari dies. Yeah. Because, um, but I think the show, again, I think the show's seasons are going to roll out a lot faster now. Uh, also, what is your f- who? What's your favorite scene? That's what I meant to say. What's your favorite scene? In well, the, those two come to mind. Were um, when Jesus was talking with Nicodemus when Nicodemus came to him at night. Uh, it was just such a, um, a compelling scene because you know the the real struggle of Nicodemus to believe was brought out in his facial expressions and his dialogue. You can t- I mean, and I think that's what was going on in John chapter 3 was it was not just Nicodemus was curious. It was he, he was v- very interested. And when Jesus said, you know, you must be born again, he just he couldn't understand because he thought in earthly terms. But he wanted to. He wasn't trying to get Jesus in trouble. He wasn't trying to trap him. He just really wanted to know. Yeah. And I just thought that they did that very well. And then the other one was the scene, you know, the final scene of, uh, what was it, episode one of season two, where the Genesis and Gospel of John was tied together. Yeah. Yeah, those are very um, memorable to me. Yeah, those... And the woman at the well, John chapter four, when, you know, so... Oh, yeah, that's a good scene, too. It's hard to choose one. End of season one. Mm-hmm. The woman at the well. That was a good scene, yeah. Um, okay, so those are all my questions that I have for you. So, uh, I think this is where we're going to end. Do you have anything final to say? Again, I wish you would have said the thing before. Now. That would be a great note to end on, but yeah. I guess this is fine too. So, anything, any final words to say to the Against the Current uh, audience? Um, no, I can't think of anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I just want to say again what an honor it is to be a guest on the Against the Current podcast. I never thought that this day would arrive. So this is a very special occasion to me because I'm very proud of my son and talking about spiritual things in the Bible and against the current and uh, the chosen. So, so I don't know. That's it. I'm happy to be here. Okay. 
And um, if there's anyone else listening, yes, it is, it is such a great experience to be a guest on this podcast. You won't believe how amazing it is, though, either in person or online on a call of some sort. So if you want to be a guest on this podcast and you have some relations to The Chosen, then feel free to send an email to podcastagainstthecurrent at gmail.com because, it, I mean, it's, it's the most amazing experience ever that you'll ever have on any podcast ever. So... Um, uh, if you if you want to be a guest on this podcast, then definitely sh- send an email over to podcast at against podcast against the current and gmail.com. Uh, so that'll just about wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out other episodes of Against the Current and the Chosen podcast where I discuss every episode of the Chosen. I've discussed every episode of the Chosen so far, and I will continue to discuss every episode of the Chosen. Uh, so make sure to tune back in. Uh, sometime soon where I will be coming out with new episodes covering all details season three uh, other stuff other fun stuff maybe more interviews if if uh, time allows and if God allows um, so yeah make sure to tune back in listen to the other episodes and I'll see you guys next time uh, say bye dad bye everyone <laughs> bye <laughs>